Hello and welcome to another episode of Artcade Podcast, a podcast about the art game. Today's episode, our guest is David Leitner. Uh, David Leitner is a street artist from Vienna, and he has a very distinct art style, in my opinion, um, combining abstract and realism with a touch of weirdness, which I think describes his personality very well. Um, we had a cool talk uh, about the art market, uh, working for clients, and about the art scene in general, not just in Vienna, but worldwide. And yeah, I hope you enjoy it. And let's get it started. Let's do this damn thing. Here we go. stuff <laughs> this is it we already started so okay the ride has begun <laughs> yeah so how's it going man i don't know it's going pretty good so far how you doing how's everything on the lightning universe uh the lightning universe is a wild ride but right now i'm in a good spot i think i like the year didn't start too well i had like depressions and stuff really coming up i mean it was building up since already two years maybe or something like that okay and then i finished university so that was like uh, a big life change because uh, before that i was in kind of a bubble and thought mm. like i can do whatever i want blah, blah blah i'm still studying so i take myself the freedom to do whatever i want yeah and then <clears throat> i kind of lost like to make things shorter in the end this depression developed out of um unsatisfaction with what i'm doing and with yeah. who i am also and it it led up to the point where like for the past three years i was painting and after every painting i was not really happy with it so uh, if you do that for a long time you kind of lose the fun in doing it yeah and that mean. happened to me and so i was really scared because i thought now university is finished i don't want to do that what i did the last three years to get to this point yeah um and then i started thinking what else i could do and that made me realize that uh, <laughs> like there's not really anything i'm good at <laughs> despite doing that so it's kind of scary when you think about it that there's no plan b or no option b yeah like somehow it for like for me it's really crazy because i i never really had to work so i yeah. since till i was 18 my parents like i was living with my parents so they also paid for my stuff mm -hmm. then i moved out and still got like a little bit of money and then somehow i started even making a little bit of money with doing flyers and stuff yeah. for friends of mine they had like a dj collective how old were you when you moved out <clears throat> i think 18 18, 18 or 19 yeah and yeah then so like after that i i started like showing work also in beginning 20s and then i sold a few stuffs then i did some commercial work so i kind of had always money yeah and i was also um living on on my own earned money um but then i came to the point where i didn't want to do that mm -hmm. and i couldn't imagine doing that for the rest of my life and yeah. then i thought like okay there's not really an option b so yeah. this is a fucked up situation <laughs> how do i get out of here 
and eventually I got out of it by this was also when corona started so oh, okay like one week before corona started i went to my cousin's farm in the mountains okay and then i spent like three months there and in these three months um it's also like weird because it's due to the isolation on mm -hmm. being on the mountain not even because of the corona because corona wasn't i mean it was super present there we saw it every day in the yeah, news but yeah but it wasn't in the mountains it's not exactly so yeah face but it was this other kind of isolation that i I spend so much time with myself also because like my cousin and their family, they always have to work. Mm -hmm. It's like running a farm is really a lot of work. Yeah, I can imagine. So I spend like lots of time alone and then you start like thinking and when you're in that kind of state of mind, you have also a very narrow view on things and yeah. also a narrow view of thinking, a narrow way of thinking. So it ended up me thinking about the same things all the time, all over again. And they started building up and becoming these huge castles. And a lot had to do with um, me going back to Vienna. Like I couldn't imagine coming back here. Mm -hmm. And then eventually I left and I came back and all the things that I built up turned out to be different. And in the end, that's like what I, what I saw and what I learned. But let's, I mean, back, let's back up a little. Like where, yeah. where's, your, where's your family from originally? Um, so both of my parents are from Upper Styria. Okay. From the mountains, they are both from farms. Okay. Um, and the farm from my father, where he grew up, is like on a mountain, and that's where my cousin is now living, and she's running it. Okay. So this always used to be like a a very important spot. So for you come me. from like a family of, of farmers. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you feel really comfortable in the in the farmland and the in the. In the <laughs> I do, I do. Berg, I, I, enjoy, I enjoy the nature a lot. Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. I mean, I, I like both. I also really uh, need to surround myself for some time always mm. with the super or urban things. Yeah. And then on the other hand, like to have the complete opposite and being on the mountains and there's nothing around you. It's a, I think it's a good combination. Definitely. I like extremes. The, being in the mountains and on the countryside is so, I don't know, it kind of relaxes your mind. I think you need to reset, especially, I didn't grow up in the city, and so living in the city now, it's also kind of, like, it gets a little too much after a while. Mm. Everything starts to get a little, the longer you're here, the more shit starts to annoy you. Yeah, I don't know if that, if that makes sense, but yeah, things yeah. start to feel louder. Like, people seem to be too close all of a sudden. It's like, fuck, I just need to get out of the yeah. city for a little bit. And then come back, reset, and then get back into it. I think that's like the real way to do it because then you can always appreciate yeah. where you're constantly in or where you're currently in. Yeah, yeah. Because you have to mix and then like, yeah. Do you have any artists in your family, other artists? Not really. My, my, one of my uncles, he, he paints and he also, I think he was an art teacher for, okay. s for some time. Did but the growing up, did you? Did you connect with him? Like Ah no, he was like they lived in Salzburg and we lived in Styria and okay. his kids were like ten years older than my than, than I was at that point. So oh, I right. like um my father has seven or six siblings. Okay. So you can imagine like there are a lot of um cousins. Yeah, yeah. And of I'm course. the youngest one in the whole range. Oh right. So Was your father the youngest out of the seven? Yeah. Okay. And my oldest cousin is could be my father. Like, All right. Yeah. <laughs> so, but your your parents were like when they saw you like being creative and starting to go into the art field, they were totally supportive of it, or they were like, "What the hell is he doing?" Or 
Were they worried about you or? Mm, it was. I think I I discovered this interest very late. Yeah. I knew that I was like I I liked the art um, lessons in school, mm -hmm. but in my school I went to a normal gymnasium. There were two hours a week, mm -hmm. so it was like not really present, and yeah. then also how it's run was not so interesting. So I I never did much more than what was necessary. Mm -hmm. Um, but then during civilian service, I eventually started thinking of what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And I came to the decision that I want to do something that I want to do and not that gives me money or fame or whatever. Yeah. Can um, you explain that, that civilian service stuff for people who might not? <laughs> know? Yeah, the civilian service. So in Austria, it's kind of, yeah, it's interesting <laughs> because when you're finished with school you have to you have to decide yeah you have to do like a year of work for the government so mm -hmm. that you can do either by going to the military or you go to the civilian service and the civilian services means that you help in charity institutions mm -hmm. i was working in a house that was home to refugee women and their kids okay and they were there because they had very bad relationships with men and with their men also mm -hmm. so there were no men allowed kind of just for visiting and I was working in the reception, kind of. Okay. And it's, thinking back, it's really crazy because as a civilian servicer, or mm -hmm. I don't know how you say it. I don't know. <laughs> as a civil <laughs> dina. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, as a civil dina, you, it's crazy how much responsibility you have sometimes. I, for example, had this 12-hour shift mm -hmm. all at night. So I was alone in this house with, like, 40 women a lot of them had like psychological problems and you're there from eight till eight in the morning so you're there all night Shit. and then stuff happens of course and for example during my during one time i was working a woman gave birth <laughs> and i was i was i was this this super young kid just out of school very naive and yeah, i imagine could also be really overwhelming for a lot of people and that's what happened with the woman who gave birth. Did I mean, she didn't literally gave birth in my she arms. Was, but she it was, was more like she, her, the, I don't know the English word, her the, contractions, her, her okay, contractions yeah. started. So then that's I called scary, yeah, especially when you're young, you don't know what's going on. Yeah. Like, but in the end, no, nothing really happened. I um, called an ambulance and yeah. everything went well. Ran, you ran home crying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I was kind of, I think I was not, I think I was kind of uplifted. Okay. Yeah. Right, Adrenaline <laughs> going through my veins. Yeah. So yeah. you've been but you've been really busy this summer despite like this corona lockdown kind of bullshit that's happening all over the world. Yeah, I'm actually really surprised because for most of the people the corona lockdown means a loss in, in work and in yeah. money and everything. But in my case it was kind of the opposite. Mm. This is probably connected to me doing my diploma thesis and that kind of um out of that, a lot of other things developed that happened to be in the summer, and so I had a very busy summer, yeah. What was your thesis about? Um, I did it together with Katharina Herzog. She's like one of my cable, I think you know her. Okay, probably. Yeah, she's one of my best friends from university, and we decided to do a last project together. And mm -hmm. in our university, you could do like whatever you want. So some people are doing graphic design stuff, like, brandings and CIs, mm -hmm. others do art projects. And we also wanted to do something a little bit bigger. 
So we were thinking about what topic is interesting for us and what connects us and what we can focus on. Mm. And then eventually we g we got to the point that we said we are both from kind of from the countryside. She grew up in um, lower Austria in a small village. Her, fa her parents were also farmers and okay. I also had my family on the farm farming side. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And... Then we realized that there's not really a lot of interaction between rural and urban areas. But I always recognized that there are a lot of walls in the countryside that you can paint very easily also because yeah. you don't need to go through all this bureaucracy like yeah, you have yeah. to do when you want to paint in Vienna. Mm -hmm. um, so there was kind of one part where um, I could say this could be my part. I could do that. And mm -hmm. Katrina is... For the Austrian listeners, she's a little bit like Elisabeth Spira. Elisabeth Spira used to have this TV show on ORF called Alltagsgeschichten. It's very famous. Okay. She was interviewing like the the weird kind of people in our society. Okay. <laughs> she was doing it in a very honest and direct way. All right. And that was thanks to her super good ability to talk with people. And Katharina also has that. And she's always interested in telling stories and connecting people and widen the horizon from somebody. Mm -hmm. So eventually we came to the point that uh, we said we want to use urban art because it's urban and not rural and we put yeah. it in rural. Mm -hmm. So we get attention from the city because there are a lot of people in the city who like that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then we came to the point where we needed a location and the location is now Würmler mm -hmm. and it's where Katharina is also from. Okay. And there we painted 13 walls on different kind of buildings. Like you have this, um, how do you say, Weizen, like the corn, corn uh, yeah, the silos. Wheat. Yeah. Like the... Yeah, the wheat, uh, the silos, yeah. Silos, yeah, yeah. silos. Um, then we have farm, just normal farm buildings, all kinds of walls. Nice. And Katharina's part was to interview all the owners of the buildings. Mm -hmm. Because we wanted to use their stories or something that they gave us and transform that into the painting okay. so that they have a connection to the painting. Because um, this could also go very wrong when you just have like people coming from the city and doing the thing that they do in the city because yeah. the context doesn't really allow that or it doesn't make sense in that context. Because people don't know it so much and yeah. they also have a deeper connection to, to their buildings because yeah. it's really theirs and it's not just it's been in being the rented. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that was very important that we got them the feeling that they really They're are important it, yeah. for that and yeah. also they then have a connection to it and can talk about it and like to talk about it. And there's a little hiking trail connecting all the walls. Oh, cool. So the nice. idea is to go for people from Vienna there and mm -hmm. really walk around. And Because when you are there and you are in front of the wall, it's kind of inevitable that you're meeting the, the owners uh, of, yeah, because, of those yeah, they're working walls. Yeah. And the spectrum of the owners of our walls is super, great, super big. So we have like one that is 28 and mm -hmm. she's, she studied also in, in the city and then she went back and took over the farm. Mm -hmm. And then we have also one who is 85 and the stories range from like feminism topics yeah. to welcoming culture and like stereotypes basically yeah, yeah. because we also had our stereotypes and turns out they're not true. Yeah. So go to Wimler. <laughs> it's, only, it's only like 15 minutes with the uh, train from Vienna. Oh, okay. You have to go to Turnerfeld Bahnhof 
So people can just go there on their own and do the trail. Yeah. Okay. So it's not like a, there's not going to be like a set date where you're doing like a tour. No, we did like a tour once. Mm-hmm. I uh, unfortunately missed out on it myself <laughs> due to various <laughs> reasons. Um, but yeah, Katarina did a tour, and I think there were also a lot of people. And it was uh, a cool, cool day. Okay. We also had some food then there and some drinks, and cool. it was, it's a good a good thing now because. During these Corona times, where you need to spend a lot of time outside, in the yeah. best case, it's good because it's, the country is very wide and yeah. little hills. It looks a little bit like um, from Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. where the hobbits live. Like the, <laughs> the, I don't know how the, the Shire, term. right? The Shire is that what it's called. Is in German. Auenland. Auenland. Because it's so hilly and. I think it's Shire. I don't. I don't Shire, I, maybe. Yeah. In so English, I think it's Shire. This is called Würmlers Wende. Okay. And there's also a website, würmlerswende.at, where you get all the information. And oh, okay, cool. Yeah, and that kind of <coughs> led to me spending even much more time now in the countryside because mm-hmm. a lot of people saw it. We had like a little bit of news coverage mm-hmm. also. So there are now farmers coming to us, asking us if we want to paint their buildings. Oh, that's and awesome. They're also really... I feel like they understand more that this is a craft and that you need to give the people the freedom to do what they think because they have been doing it for so long so they know what they do. Yeah. Um, maybe that's because they're also kind of working themselves. So mm-hmm. they also this is also stuff, knowledge that they have and they know that if you know something, it gets better or yeah, it yeah. works. And they're also, like compared to, I now have a job for a bigger commercial client and this is like a bigger institution. And now I also have one, I paint a wall for this um, apple farmer. Okay. And they both kind of pay me the same. But in case of the commercial client, it was really difficult to get the budget through. And yeah. also there have been five rounds of corrections already on the sketch. Ah, shit. With complete changes. like mm-hmm. Because they have a lot of people that have to agree on it and then there's this one person and that person in the most cases is a older white man mm-hmm. who also belongs to a certain kind of society yeah. you may say yeah and in the countryside it was just working Super everything easy. yeah and it's also cool for them because it's something that they don't know so much and in reality, there has been a, lo- a big tradition in muralism also in Austria, especially mm-hmm. in the countryside, mm-hmm. on all the traditional buildings, the the restaurants, like the old restaurants and the churches, you have paintings and yeah. a lot of those are just made like a few years ago, not a few years, but a few... Decades or so, yeah, no? Dec- I mean, because yeah, the ones so. that I've seen in on the countryside are from like the ni- early 1900s or... You know, and they all basically have the same type of style in a way, um, and the same type of theme. Mm. Um, I mean, this is interesting that you say it because one of the things that I have the biggest problem with in the graffiti and mural scene is that people, a lot of times, don't really uh, think about the surrounding of the painting that they are painting. Yeah, yeah, and that leads to if you consider that it makes sense to use a certain kind of color palette for example yeah that course, you yeah. use colors that are not super bright and popping out mm-hmm. and irritating that's mm-hmm. something that it's 
feeding Soft, into the landscape yeah, yeah. so i think those people back in the day also did that they used of course, kind yeah. of the same earthy colors yeah. so it also gets already a, a similar look and probably yeah. other techniques were similar there for example now for this apple farmer where i'm painting there's this fire extinguisher people's house ah okay <laughs> The fireman's house. The fireman's house. The fireman's yeah. house. <laughs> and there is also uh, an artwork from an, from an old Austrian artist. artist. <laughs> and it's with this old technique. It's like a, f a fresco. So they, they put up the, um, the cement and it's still wet. And he paints into the wet and it gets a relief through that. And this is really interesting. And, uh, and back in the days, I think it, they did a lot like that because they didn't have spray paint or anything that yeah, yeah. was also lasting very long i mean this is also very questionable mm. if you spray paint all the walls how long will they really live in comparison to the to the now already old things that will That's be there forever thing. because yeah. they are just made in a super high quality way some are kind of um i don't know indented into the wall like you can see that it's uh, the paint it's, it's recessed like a, like a relief huh? yeah yeah it's crazy it's and it stays it's really the mm. paint that they were using was yeah Do you know how long if you paint a like a normal firewall, like do you know what a fire? Because it's I translated from German from Feuerwand. Is it the the side of the building that has no windows? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh -huh. If you paint, okay, let's let's get, uh, let's say you paint that, you ground it with white mm -hmm. normal outdoor um, paint, paint yeah. wall paint. Yeah, yeah. the good one. Yeah, yeah. And then you spray with any kind of yeah, um, Montana, <laughs> yeah, or spray thing yeah. on it. What do you think? How long this will stay? Because yeah. I actually have no idea. I have no idea either. I think it's. Um, I mean, the sun is definitely Depends has an on effect which on side, it. Yeah, like which weather side it's facing. Yeah, if you if you have a lot of sun, of it's gonna fade, and it also. Oh, we don't really know what we're doing, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we do. I mean, nothing. You know, Maybe that's also the charm of it. I mean, I also want my pieces to disappear. I think I think the fading kind of gives it its yeah. charm too. But it's um, it's just like any other product you buy. This, this our whole our whole commercial or capitalism ideals are things are not built to last. You know, so hire me again and I'll repaint it in a few. Yeah, years. that's actually a, it's it's quite true if you look at the architecture that's going up. Yeah, not this stuff. Yeah, it's very yeah, it's quite. Not built to last, but I'm really happy, especially in, in when you see places in Vienna, um, in European cities, where they they really want to make sure that they keep these historic buildings, no matter what they don't, you know, the ones that are really old and the ones um, that have a meaning in the in a small town, they keep them and they just repurpose them instead of tearing it all down and, and rebuilding it. Mm, I agree, but unfortunately, from a very privileged point of view. In Vienna, you also have to say that there are a lot of old, really beautiful buildings getting torn down. Yeah. Um, and that's, like, it's very Austrian again. If you think about it, you have a law that, that doesn't allow you to tear it down, but there is always a way to somehow get a way to, yeah. to go around it and then kill it. So it's kind of a, a double moral. Yeah. I don't know if that's an English term. Yeah, it's a... It's a catch twenty two. Like a B moral. Yeah. <laughs> buy buy moral. Yeah. Yeah, it's that's that's with anything. I think it comes with the money. Yeah. If you have money and, and if you realize it's gonna cost less to rebuild a whole new building than it does to restore this building, like a lot less. I think I think that's actually not mostly the case 
but more of course it's about the money it's apparently always about the money you can't really go around that yeah. but i think they just if you look at the architecture nowadays on what used to be a two floor building now you squish in a five floor building so you yeah, have a lot yeah. more space that you can rent out and sell and then you make real the money with it yeah it's like this building that we're in right now it's i don't know I think it has six floors yeah but the building right next to us has have, like two or yeah, three no, or four has four so yeah. but the the ceilings look so high yeah. and beautiful and, it's, and it's i think i have this therapist now because of my depression thing okay. and today i talked to him with about a painting that i'm doing for an exhibition that had kind of that or that has kind of the theme um urban utopia mm -hmm. and i was talking to him about it because i, I had like this if I think about living, I really want to live in a beautiful surrounding. And if you think about beauty, mm -hmm. it's not really present in the new buildings. And that's because beauty doesn't really play a role much in our society. There's not really space for it. It has to be more functional because beauty is kind of something luxury, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think I've... I think I forgot what I wanted to say, but... <laughs> <laughs> but you were talking to your therapist about it. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 about... Yeah. About that thing. But I know, <laughs> I know what you mean. I, I think when I, that's the first thing I noticed when I first moved to Vienna were all the beautiful buildings, and every corner was just this huge, I mean, beautiful building with each with intricate yeah. little statues on it and the curves, and it's just a really beautiful city. But you can tell that this was in a time when the city had a lot of money. You know, this was, and these buildings have stayed since that time. It's like mm. within this few decades, it was like they just threw all the money into these buildings and they're staying They're They're still used today. And, but yeah, I think a lot gets lost in as time goes on when you need more functionality, more than beauty. Mm. Same with cars. I mean, you see cars from the fifties and sixties, you know, especially American cars, what I grew up with. And I mean, they're just pieces of art. You see them. I mean, every corner is thought of, you know, as a, as a, it's changed now. Now you have, you get a smart car and you park it between two big cars. The smart, I think the smart has been around for a long time already, no? Yeah, yeah, it's been around for at least since 2005 or so, 2000, I don't know. Do you know that there's also the second smart? There's not only the super small one, but there's another one that looks like a transformer or something. Really? <laughs> yeah. I've seen a few smart cars here that I haven't seen before. It, it always surprised me to see that it was a smart car. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting because it's probably also... A matter of taste what you like for example in the early 20th century in vienna you had this group called uh wiener werkstätte mm -hmm. which was kind of also associated with the secessionists with klimt and all of those people yeah and i don't remember the name now but there was this one architect and he was a a big opponent of the stuck okay Do you know what stuck is stuck. or the uh, I'm liking the word. It's not Stuck. <laughs> it's like an ornament. Ornament. Okay. He was totally yeah, yeah. against right. ornaments. Oh, okay. But he did this super cool minimalistic building. So mm -hmm. you don't even need to have all of that thing because he also said this is just decor. It's not. You don't need it. And that yeah. was at that time a very controversial and opposite um, way to see it. Um, so architecture and, and building buildings for yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah. I still believe that you probably have a much nicer life when you're living in a room that's four meters high instead exactly. of 180. Okay, what's the, what's the name of this uh, this architect? 
Ist gerade Adolf los. 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 Los geht's. Ja. Los geht's. Los didn't like the ornament. Okay. Er hat gesagt, Ornament ist vergeudete Arbeitskraft. Ah, okay. He said wasted. Mm, wasted wa shit. Yeah, wasted shit. <laughs> no, it's wasted working time. He said. Uh, and what do you what do you think uh, about that? Ornaments or no ornaments? I personally really like ornaments. <laughs> But the the minimalism of the of the architecture, do you dig that also, or is it not? Yeah, so? definitely. There are some architects that do it quite well. Have you ever been hired um, by an architect to do a mural for their for a building they designed? Yeah, actually I did. Yeah, I did a, a ceiling okay. piece for this. It's also really cool architecture. It's a big room. Is this more at like the Vatican, by any chance? Huh? Is it at the Vatican? No, it's not at the no. Vatican. <laughs> <laughs> How no, old are you, man? Uh, I'm 27. <laughs> okay. Almost club 27, but then not. Okay. <laughs> okay, so you didn't paint the, that one. Okay, no, go ahead, sorry. No. Yeah, somewhere else. Yeah. Why? Why did I ask? Were you asking if I ever <laughs> painted something for an architect? Yes. Oh, because I like, I like that um, this summer, um, Elizabeth, my wife, she was able to get like four jobs um, painting murals for architects who designed this whole shopping center and stuff. And so she painted um, her geometric patterns, um, but they fit with the architecture in a way, mm -hmm. you know? And this goes back to what you were saying about, like, seeing what's there and then designing for that. Yeah. Know? And I, I think, think it, it helps yeah. when the architect sees your work and they want that to be part of their design. So it's a collab, really, you know? True. And, but yeah, that's, it also has to be a good collab. Collaborations can also go very, very wrong. Of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, tell me about the wrong co collaboration. <laughs> I think I was lucky. I never had a wrong collaboration. Right, okay. That's good. And But how I would see a lot. Yeah, 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 <laughs> you see a lot. But, you know, I think, fuck it, just try it. You have to try it before, if you don't know if it's going to work until you actually slam that shit together and see if it works or not. Somebody made a recipe of, like, pickles with peanut butter and a sandwich or some shit and they're like no nah, that collaboration doesn't work and do you think it works no Did i don't think so it? i haven't tried it but I, think <laughs> i could actually imagine it to be quite nice we should make some for i i recently developed a taste for pickles i never liked them but now i keep ordering them them when i get like a wurst sample or something really yeah i i i usually It's get interesting how you change when you get older yeah Is there anything that you didn't like when you were younger, but you still don't like? Yeah, marzipan. Ah, marzipan. I hate marzipan. <laughs> Do you know why? Was there a time that you eat too much when you no, were little? I think it tastes totally wrong. <laughs> <laughs> tastes too artificial. Huh? Tastes too artificial. Yeah, and wrong. And wrong. <laughs> <laughs> tastes like something you shouldn't eat. <laughs> <laughs> I never really could get um, olives, like... Oh, really? Yeah, I But have I you tried. been to Greece and had really good olives? I've had ones? good olives. I've been to Spain and had good olives, like as tapas, and I like it when it's on pizza. Like, I, I don't mind it. But mm, when pizza. I was younger, I couldn't really like, I didn't really like olives at all. I don't know what, what the taste was just too bitter. Or yeah, sour I mean, it's or a quite heavy taste. Yeah. You really have to really want it. It's yeah. not something that you put on your food and it's just like 
in the background. No, no, no. You don't give a shit. It's right in your tongue. But I still don't. I still don't really. Taste. I don't dig it too too much. That's I can, okay. That's I can okay. do without it, really. That's okay. I haven't. I've never made cooked anything and been like, damn. You know, I need some olives up in this shit. Like, nope. It's not. Ha- hasn't happened yet. But who's to say? In ten years, maybe I'm like, you know, putting olives in everything and shit. Also, if not, it's no problem. Okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, as far as your art goes, do you? How would you describe your art to someone who doesn't? Mm. Which is like a question that I get all the time when somebody's like, okay. "Say I do art," and oh, what kind of art do you do? Yeah, I think it. Um, it's not an easy question. It depends on what you, what you. Ah, fuck! Wie heißt das Wort? Sagt auf Deutsch. It's okay. Es kommt davon, wie man was man unter Kunst versteht. Okay. So if art is a painting, then. My paintings are kind of collagic. They always reference old photographs and found footage. I recently also started getting into more dimensions and putting brochures and stuff that I found at flea markets on them. Mm-hmm. But then I think that's not only my art. I think mm, to a certain point, art is that you think about things in a different way. And I also practice that a lot in my daily life mm, for for example also how i decorate my room or how i set up my studio these are all very thought through processes and i mm-hmm. think a very thought through process is kind of art also especially if you find a new way to do it and find your own way to do it and yeah but in general my art is small and big it's in on walls and it's also on small paper sheets mm-hmm. and it's sometimes colorful and sometimes it's black and white i start i recently started using more color because i i had to free myself from the cage from a black and white black cage and white sheet, yeah <clears throat> it's exciting and, I, and, it, and it was really difficult for me because i i didn't really uh, had a relationship to any color so mm. it felt kind of alien to me so I needed to find a way how to get friends with colors. And yeah. uh, for me personally, I found a very good way is that I take the colors from the stuff that I wear because I'm very particularly on what colors I wear and then mm-hmm. how, the, how I combine them. Okay. So I just decided to take those also into my paintings and mm-hmm. use the same paintings. It's also nice when you paint the wall and you kind of match the wall <laughs> when you're painting it. Also, it's nice because you can't see the stains when you put mm-hmm. stains. I also hate like working clothes. Yeah. Uh, there's no separation in my clothing behavior between <laughs> work and 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 free free freedom. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I need to feel comfortable, and I feel comfortable when I wear what I wear. Yeah. By the way, I brought you a, a brochure that I. I think I know that you're a kind of a patch guy. Oh, nice, man. Oh, it's I, a pin. I picked it up at a flare market in Berlin. Oh, it's like a, a flying tire. I think it's tire. from the Nazis, maybe. <laughs> Could be a Nazi treasure. I don't think so. It's a flying tire. I think that's more of like... More like a pilot thing, huh? Yeah, I think so. Thanks, Aircraft. man. That's awesome. I'm going to look. I'm gonna research the shit out of this and figure out what yeah, it is. Yeah, you tell me about what it is. Then. I will. I can only tell you what it is for me. That's... That's really dope. Should Thanks, I tell man. you what it is for me? Let me see it again. Okay. Okay, so that's the cool thing about taking found footage and stuff that you 
don't know what the meaning behind it is. Kind of like with art also. When you go yeah. to the museum, you don't really know what the meaning behind it is unless you read a, a, read a text. And I find it personally very stupid to read a text before you look at a painting. Yeah, yeah. Because a painting shouldn't be described with text. Mm -hmm. And also nobody should tell you what to see in a painting. <clears throat> so this is the same with this stuff. Now you can you will research what it sees, what it is. But I see, I see a pizza, a pizza with wings. <laughs> oh, okay, I think it could be a. I think it's a tire. A wheel. It could be a pizza, yeah. A wheel. It's ah, a wheel is it a tire? Wings. Yeah. But usually this. But what do you think? Like whose it's, it's whose usually, wings are those? It's usually is it a bird wing. Maybe it's a racing thing. Like um, I don't know. It's usually associated the fastest, with racing. The fastest got it. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe it's a tire shop and they gave out pins. Okay, for our listeners promotion. to let yourself <laughs> be visualized by my words now, I will visualize the pin. <laughs> it's a blue pin, um, approximately 1.5, no, yeah, maybe 1.5 centimeters by 0 0.75 centimeters. And it has, it's blue, it's kind of a, out of a cord fabric and it mm -hmm. has uh, kind of a bronze, bronzer. Yeah, bronzer, it's like do you say bronze in English? We see bronze, 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 like it's the like, French. It's like an engraved metal, or not engraved, it's, yeah, a, it's, it's like engraved a bronze. metal and it looks bronze. Embossed kind of, uh, yeah. it goes on top of the fabric, so it's not like set into yeah, the, the cork fabric. It's like it's quite the fabric fine is wrapped work. around the pin, and then there's like another pin on top of the <laughs> pin wow. in a way. It's really interesting. Supreme. It's got to be pretty old. Thank you, man. No problem. I appreciate it. Hopefully I don't get punched in the face by wearing the fun. The fun thing is with... <laughs> Like recently, recently I also helped a friend paint a, a wall mm -hmm. and the building he painted it on was abandoned and it used to be belong to the Social Democrats of Austria, like okay. the Social Democrats party in the countryside also. So that was their main quarter and we found all this old um, medal of honor and oh, really? a pin for achievement for 10 years and they were just in boxes, like huge amounts of them. Oh, shit. So it became this trashy thing. If you see it in that amount that so yeah. many people yeah, get it's so that, cheap. then also the mayor told us that was the thing that you gave to somebody when he started asking too many questions or was <laughs> somehow angry with, with stuff. Yeah. And then I found some of those pins and I bought, took some of them with me also. Mm -hmm. And I gave also some of them to some people. And a lot of people, they didn't really get it. They just said like, ah, yeah, nice. And then I put it onto the table and left it there. So I think in our society, a lot of people don't, or uh, maybe I'm just an alien. <laughs> we're all aliens. I think I'm an alien. And I think you're also an alien because when you're not doing the classic thing, yeah. then you're an alien and then you do stuff that people don't understand. That's true, but it's okay if they don't understand. Exactly. It can also be really fun. It is fun. But yeah, going back to like your art style and stuff, do you feel like it's... <laughs> That delicious, delicious spritzer. <laughs> when you paint it, or you, when you start to design your your like a piece for a mural or something, like the ones that you did in the countryside, and you're taking these found things and incorporating it, are you consciously trying to tell something in a way, like you do with no, your clothes no. and your colors? <clears throat> I mean, it depends. Now, when I know that there will be a group exhibition to a certain topic, and they want me to so sh to show something. It doesn't make sense for me to use old stuff because that wasn't created in that context. Mm -hmm. So, if I have a topic already, then I will work with that and yeah. try to uh, collect footage that's relevant in kind of in that for that. Mm. 
but mostly, also now when I think about it, most of the time I just take pictures that are appealing to me and I don't know why they are appealing to me at that point. I just look, I bought, uh, three months ago I bought 52 National Geographics from um, 1980 to 1990 and they mm -hmm. have great photos in it. And yeah. So I just look through them when I started painting and I then I see certain stuff and kind of relates to me and mm. then I paint it and before even knowing what I want to paint like as stereotypical as it sounds mm -hmm. but I only know after what I painted when I painted <laughs> yeah after that I think why okay yeah. what what happened here how could I interpret this yeah. okay that makes sense and that makes sense and eventually it always makes sense kind mm -hmm. of because yeah. it's what I'm doing and it's me and but it's more of a like subconscious I think it I think as far as like art in general goes when you're making art and especially when I see your art it's a I don't see it as pieces put together I see it all as like one feeling that it gives it's not like um you get this feeling here in the corner from something and and the feeling from the color or the lines and it's like more of a it's more of a feeling than a story you know it's yeah, like that's more of good. a comfortable that's what I want kind of, yeah I also have I was very particular in keeping myself a really wide range of topics that I can focus on. Mm -hmm. That also means that I'm not focusing only on, for example, hands or I'm only drawing animals or anything. I really want to try to incorporate everything. And that's also possible because I use photo references. Otherwise, it wouldn't really get to that point because, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah. you could spend a million of hours yeah, practice yeah. on it but then i don't really like to work so <laughs> <laughs> doesn't really work and also why make yourself hard make it harder make your yourself, life harder yeah, than of course yeah. yeah so i think the first um the first time i i heard about you maybe it was in 2018 when I mean, you had your exhibition at uh, improper walls and it was like all self-portraits <laughs> yeah thanks for following man <laughs> <laughs> but that's when uh i think that's when i first was aware of 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 you and yeah. like your your work in a way that's cool because i think that was by far my most funny exhibition yeah my most fun exhibition <laughs> yeah even. it was super cool what was what was the i guess the process leading up to that like like what, what was your yeah okay so so back in that time i really always had the urge and the feeling to have a concept before I start painting because I focused myself on a lot of artists that I liked that were working very conceptually. Yeah. So I tried to come up with a concept and eventually there was yeah, when was that? Like seventeen, eighteen. So the whole safety culture was already super present and everywhere and the mm -hmm. whole influence I think like I did this super whack job where i had to paint wings at the danube canal for for uh, advertising <laughs> for company photo this is like the most fucked up oh, commercial shit. thing you can do but i was broke and i needed the money yeah yeah um and then there came this influencer girl mm -hmm. and she took a picture in front of it and posted it on her instagram and she earned as much as i did for painting the wings and i painted like this super <laughs> realistic beautiful kitsch wings shit so that kind of mm, already showed me how much i dislike this whole culture of self-representation and yeah 
this fake individualism because in the end all of these Instagram influencers they all look the same they follow yeah. the same other influencers mm -hmm. a little bit bigger of there and they're really like an influenza like the, <laughs> like the sickness <laughs> influenza because now advertising <laughs> gets to an even dumber level than it was of before course, yeah. advertising already has been fucked up since the 80s I think it's but now so it's worse, going yeah. to the next level because now you have 18, 19 year old girls who think now they, they fuck all of the future mm -hmm. not fucked um, but like they they don't care about the future anymore and they don't mm -hmm. pursue any any studies or anything because yeah. they think they can live on that shit forever yeah of course and who who knows how that how that continues but I hope that it stops soon and I yeah, yeah. who knows I think it's gonna and that's gonna also when I when I had the idea on focusing on that yeah and then on the other hand maybe take it back a little bit The whole exhibition was selfies from myself. So I painted myself. 2017. I can't remember. When I painted that? Yeah, the exhibition. I think it was 24 when I painted the exhibition. No, was it tw uh, 2018? Uh, 20, it, it was 2017. 17, I think, yeah. okay. All right, so, all right. so you, you want to do the selfie? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, then somehow I've, I thought a lot about the selfie and also did a lot of selfies that I sent to friends. Yeah. Especially with these filters, it <laughs> can be quite entertaining. Yeah. Um, and then I thought about the self-portrait in a wider range and inevitably came to the classical tradition of painting mm -hmm. a self-portrait, which mm -hmm. was there since all the centuries. Yeah, For course, example, yeah. like if you have the first paintings, the cave paintings, those are kind of self-portraits because it's their hands that they sprayed over. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it made kind of sense to that also also the the contrast between between those two words what a self-portrait used to be how important it was how expensive and how precious and what it became now this super plastic mm -hmm. um a million selfies thing yeah. uh yeah and then i basically just started painting my face sometimes with instagram filters on it and mm -hmm. sometimes more in a traditional manner and i also wanted to i all at that time i was not really sure what i wanted to do and what i was doing so i kind of related more to what the art market was doing or what i thought that would make sense to do now yeah so i also wanted to incorporate some new media and then i did a 3d scan of my face mm -hmm. which led to um, maybe 20 centimeters deep sculptures of my face coming out of the wall. <laughs> and the idea behind that was also that you have um, a variety of artists that are super famous and present in all the news all the time mm -hmm. that are mostly there themselves. Like yeah. if you Google certain people, you see their face, but you don't see their paintings. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I disliked at that moment because yeah. I think a painter especially i wouldn't even say a painter and artist is the same thing it's a little bit a different thing for me mm -hmm. um if you have a painter and he that's all he does he paints and then you you look for his work why he's famous and then you only see his face and not his painting this is very weird to me and fucked yeah. up so i just thought about putting my own faces directly onto the wall yeah and selling <laughs> those because that's eventually what it comes down to apparently yeah and i mean it makes sense because um when you're an artist you're as we already said you're kind of a, a alien in the society because you don't stick to the daily routine of everybody else mm -hmm. 
you don't look like them you think in a different way you have a different routine yeah. so it's kind it's i can understand that it's very interesting for people mm-hmm. to um get to know what how it is like that and you also see it with rich people especially with super rich people they always surround themselves with artists and stuff yeah you just have to look at basquiat for example mm-hmm. yeah and that's because they like the contrast and because they like the completely different world mm-hmm. but other than that i think a painting really should um, dominate and paint this life and not the face yeah of course yeah that's a that's a good point now we can talk about the art market that's that's yeah. quite a fun topic. But um, what do you think about the art market, Rob? <laughs> like, okay, let's talk about the art market in general first. Okay, what do you think about the art market? What do you think about? Okay, <laughs> I I think the art market is really shitty. I think mm, it's very uninteresting. It's you could really say it's boring. Mm-hmm. And I think when you, I'm sorry, when you think about when you talk about the art market, what, what are you t- you're talking about? Buying, I mean selling, about collecting yeah, I mean art? about the things that are on in top of the in like the global art rankings that are present at all the big fairs. Not just street art. We're talking about like uh, yeah, yeah like in general, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. like the whole art. You could say all the institutions, the museums, and mm-hmm. the art fairs combined, what they show. And what is trending and what is the most expensive and so on. Yeah. So if you look at that, most of the time it's it's I don't know. I think it's boring, and I also don't understand how how you can really, with a good feeling, sell a painting for I don't know eight million dollars or yeah. something <clears throat> for from people that are still alive. Yeah. Where you know that they also produce their own stuff and mm-hmm. that they sell it to a different price from the studio out. So why would yeah. you be so fucked up and buy a painting from the guy that is mm-hmm. much more worth now because it got hyped by a certain uh, group of stuff, people? Yeah. yeah, so that's... Well, that's do you think about that quite a bit? Like the art I market? I think about that a lot, a lot, really? yeah. Because I, I personally have the opinion that if you... Like, I, I personally don't even like to separate between street art, urban art, whatever you want to call it, and the fine art market. I think that's that should be in the past because that's already what happened with Basquiat as we mm-hmm. talked about him before. Mm-hmm. So I don't even know why there's this separation still. Um, I think that street art in general has a much worse um, reputation. Worse, like not good reputation. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe not so interesting and not relevant to show on fairs and stuff. And if you hear about it, it's, o- it's always Banksy. Like always, there's no. Of if course. You have, yeah. It's the first. I I do street art. Ah, like Banksy. Like yeah, yeah, just like Banksy. Of course, like I can understand <laughs> that that from uh, from the normal. Yeah, from people who don't. From people who don't realize who said too much that they, they say it, yeah. but even like the other ones. And yeah, in the end, all the street artists I know that are most of them are also painting inside on canvases. So what what is the difference between them and the painters that are on the, on on these art fairs that are only painting inside. I mean, now you also, since a few years, you have a big movement of, of especially Spanish and South American and Central American people who really do like this classic traditional fine art painting in the streets and on mm-hmm. walls. And that's, that's much more interesting to me. Because in the end, I think I'm painting walls, not because I want to be a street artist, but because this is for me personally the best place to put a painting because 
that way you you make your way around all those institutions. Yeah. You don't have to um live with the fact that only five percent of society that are in a privileged circle see your stuff, mm -hmm. that everybody sees it. Yeah. And I also think that the biggest power of art can be to to show what's what what goes wrong in our society. Mm. Because as I said, we're most of or a painter or an artist a lot of time lives a completely different daily routine. So mm -hmm. you have a lot of time to think about stuff in a different way that other people don't even get to the point because they're fed up with the daily everyday life. Yeah. So I think it can be our role or it can be a mission to try to show the the things that are going wrong and show that through painting. And what goes wrong in our world is definitely capitalism. Yeah. And the art market is capitalism. That's true. And the art market works exactly like capitalism and all the people who are buying those big expensive paintings, those are the capitalists. Mm. So uh, it's a weird Do you do a lot of uh of paintings on canvas and pa uh, paper drawings and stuff or do you do mostly outdoor mm, and stuff? I try to keep a balance because I I really like both for a variety of reasons. Um, I kind of fell off of doing that kind of stuff, honestly. Like, as far as doing canvas work and yeah. work, I I do mostly on the streets, like now, mm. and because I feel I feel so separate from that other ro that yeah. that world of the market I, world, I guess. I understand that completely. I I I'm not the artist who paints like regularly and has a daily schedule and I'm not going to the studio every day and I'm not producing 20 paintings a year mm. and I'm also not painting out of joy just that's not the thing that I do in the studio for that I go outside because then I can also be outside of course yeah but Same. I so I always need a reason to paint something inside <laughs> me too <laughs> and at some sometimes it's it's more present because there's some stuff going on or, or there's a commission or anything mm -hmm. and sometimes not but in general i think i really like the combination of painting inside on canvas and painting walls mm -hmm. because it's two completely different things that basically work in the same way and i've realized since the task the last two years that i've painting more walls mm -hmm. Uh, my understanding of the painting process, especially in figurative painting, progressed much faster than when I was painting inside. And that's just my opinion because you, it's like you're sitting in your painting when you're painting it. That's true, yeah. So you, for a nose that has this curve, you don't have one centimeter, but you have two arm lengths yeah, to do yeah. it. Mm -hmm. So that also that way you have to look at the reference closer and understand it deeper mm -hmm. and then you have the shadow parts and you know that there's a little bit of light reflecting in the shadow still and you can work it out and i i i realized over the summer now i've painted mostly outside and mm -hmm. then two weeks ago i started this painting for the group show and it's the first time since a long time period that i'm really hyped about what i'm doing right now and that i have ideas and that it's working the way i want it to work mm -hmm. and that's because i now have a different a little bit different view on my process how i paint before like in compared to before i yeah i paint so much outside yeah and then also inside is really cool because 
if you want to experiment a lot and I fe feel like that art should be a lot of experimentation and I I'm a fan of of artists who reinvent themselves mm -hmm. new constantly which is hard and sucks for the art market but who cares about <laughs> the art market <laughs> this year you painted a lot of murals is there one that's like your your favorite that you've done so far this 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 year i painted a goat at the back of a police station you painted on a goat no i painted a <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you painted a goat on the back I of a police station. I painted with a goat on the back of a police station. <laughs> I used her. I killed her. I took her blood, and then I used the blood and put it onto in my spray cans, and then I painted it. Fantastic. No, actually, uh, yeah, I really painted a goat, mm -hmm. not that goat, but a goat mm -hmm. on the back of a police office. But the police office turns out it was abandoned already since. I think maybe four years or something. And it was the headquarter of Start India, this um, Indian organization. It's a NGO and they mm, make projects all over India with national and international artists. And they okay. paint wars mostly and always also really incorporate the, the, um, the public into the festival. So this was uh, for them. It was a wall that they yeah. Gave um, I was I was in India already last year. I just went there on my own. Uh, you have to know I, I have this affection for Asia. I've been mm -hmm. in Asia in the past seven years, maybe twelve times. Oh, I think wow. I spent one or two years there already. If you okay. count it together. Mm -hmm. And why? What's the, what's this uh, affiliation with? Mm, it's it a good question. I don't know. It's fascination. I, it's kind of cliche, but when I was a teenager, I, I liked mangas and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I had like a little bit of affection towards Japan. I also got that from my sister. She actually was really into Japan. She also then studied Japanese. Okay. And lived some time in Japan also. Wow. But I, it's also my family in general. My father and his his siblings, they and my also my older cousins, they all travel a lot. Mm -hmm. This is just something that's kind of rooted in me, apparently. Okay. And then I also went to Asia for the first time after school when I was 18, I think. And then I went there every year again. Mm -hmm. And then I went there longer and then I did exchange in exchange studies in China. Um, then I made lots of friends in Indonesia and went there. So, and it's just this super crazy cultural difference yeah. to towards Europe. So exotic and it's very inspiring to for me. Yeah. Also because these countries are some of the poorest in the mm -hmm. world and mm -hmm. they, the nature of the people is so nice. Most of them are super kind and there's, compared to Central or South America, there's not really any violence. Yeah. Apart, of course, from India having a big problem with emancipation. But other than that, it's super beautiful. It's cheap, which kind of is a little bit of opp opportunistic, but mm -hmm. I, I'm also not rich. So yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, if it's I take the opportunities. Yeah, of course. And also, the climate is in my favor. I really mm -hmm. like warm weather, and I would prefer to have 35 degrees by day and 25 degrees by night all yeah. year. Yeah, that's nice. I feel you there, man. Definitely.
You said you have a sister. Do you have any other siblings? No, just one sister. She's younger or older? She's five years older. Ah, I have a sister. She's five years younger. Ah, <laughs> whoa, we were yeah. like, we're like people. Same, on but Earth. not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. But she had to look out for you when you were when you were younger. Not really. It's weird, right? Like this five the five year difference is a weird gap because yeah. when you're growing up, you're not you're always um, in different. Yeah, parts different of phases. Your youth, yeah. yeah, and then it's it wasn't until um, I my sister turned into her thirties and had a family and stuff, and it's when I became closer with her. Mm. But and when we were kids, we were kind of not really that close. I mean, yeah, I mean, five years when you're ten, five years is quite a different world. It is, yeah, definitely. And she sure. also into art. Does she follow what you do? Um, she definitely follows what she likes to do or what she wants because after her Japanese studies, I think she realized that there's not the it's not very interesting to do translations probably all okay. your life and mm -hmm. you also don't really earn much with it. And then she also didn't really want to move to Japan, so she came up with some other stuff. Then she studied fashion design. Oh, nice! So she's doing her own clothes and stuff. And apart from that, she she always had same as me a big affection towards the countryside and she uh, is into horse riding since she was a teenager oh, okay, so she okay. has three horses and now my cousin one of my cousins he bought this old uh like really? the guy who runs the church ah uh, the priest the priest yeah <laughs> the father uh, lord yeah <laughs> <laughs> the priest yeah so um, you bought a car next next to the the farm where my other cousin lives. Mm -hmm. There's a church, and next to the church, there's the priesters. The priests. The priests. Yeah, <laughs> the I like priesters. Though. There's the priesters' house, <laughs> um, and that house has been abandoned for the previous fifteen years, so it's really fucked okay. up. But it's super cool because it's from I think fourteen something, so it's oh, super shit. old, Damn. and it has a farm attached to it. So he bought that very cheap off the church. And now they're renovating it, and she's also moving in there and starting her farm. Oh, okay. Oh, when cool you, when are you going to start your farm? Uh, I think I'm, I, w I won't have a farm. I, I mean, I would really like to have a place to live in the countryside, mm -hmm. especially in best case, high up in the mountains with a great view. I'm yeah. really into views. So my, I, I'm, I'm always in shock when I go... Uh, like when I travel with Elizabeth to Steiermark or something, yeah. it's always so beautiful, and it's it's, it I can't even explain it. It's um, especially you coming from I mean the U.S. has also amazing. Yeah, but parts. when you when you're living, especially like coming from Texas, you're kind of stuck in the same areas all the time. And when you're working, you don't really get to go out to the countryside too much. And when um, did when did you leave Texas? How old were you when you uh, came to Vienna? Thirty-four. Okay, yeah. so now how long have you been living in Vienna? <laughs> <laughs> Six years. Okay, so what do you think about the? Um, since we are both kind of related to this thing called street art or urban yeah. art. Okay. Um, how do you feel about the the Austrian or Vien? Let's focus on Vienna on the Viennese street art scene. Okay, this is a question also, I wanted to ask you also. Yeah, we can both but, but I think it. it's even more interesting to hear it from your perspective because you've been living here six years and you yeah. came here and saw it from a completely different perspective. So yeah. you maybe also see a difference in its development, development, 
Do you think there has been a big development? Yeah, I mean, when I first moved here, I wasn't really in any scene. You know, obviously coming here, I didn't know anyone. I just knew Nick, you know, Nitro. So, and I wasn't really noticing the art at first. I was trying to. Uh, obviously, I saw that Vienna had a big street art and graffiti culture here. I mean, it's everywhere. But I was really trying to connect with artists here, and I realized really quickly it wasn't so easy. Um, to connect with anyone, you know, um, right away coming from the U.S. and Because um, people here had people from the U.S.? <laughs> no, it was just, I couldn't really hang so much, you know? It's like I couldn't, it was hard to have one-on-one -on -one conversations with people, um, coming, you know, for... Why? I don't know. I mean, I would talk with people and, and get to know one person, you know, but it wasn't like... They're a little bit... Um, it's... I was kind of talking about this a little bit with Reserved. 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 No, I was talking about this a little bit with Fect in, in the last episode. Because it was, you know, a lot of my personality, I realized when I moved here, comes from humor, you know. And my humor doesn't translate the same. Yeah, okay, in, yeah. Austrian yeah. humor, or especially Viennese humor. Is, <laughs> it's not the same. Some, some of my, special, a lot of my humor yeah. comes to also from, like, uh, movie quotes or references to things. And I connect with a lot of people through pop culture, you know, and the culture here is different, you know, obviously pop culture is kind of worldwide, but even if everybody knows, um, I don't know, The Mask, the movie The Mask with Jim Carrey, um, the translation from the quote, you know, in German is not the same, you know, yeah. than English, and so to quote it doesn't make sense, I don't know, so it was really hard for me at first to, to get into the scene. But once I got in and I started to do my own thing, I, I first had to actually learn the rules, and it was... I feel like the scene... Um, but did you paint before that, before you came here in Texas already? I did a few times, but it was just, I was honestly maybe two or three times on a wall. You okay, know? so, so you don't really have a comparison to the art scene there? I do, because I was, I was um, hosting uh, big art events in, in Texas. So yeah. for eight, eight and a half years, I was doing this show called Art Slam. And that's how I met Nitro, so it's because I flew him in for a show one year with... It was him wow. and Buff Monster and The More Supreme. Yeah. And, you know, I, I had a big connection with the art community in, in San Antonio. It was like I was in it, you know. I, I, we built it together, kind of. Like, we all, as a community, we built the art scene together. We, we got together, and we every two months, we'd have this big live art party, basically. We had bands, and, and it was a community, and I was in that community, and it just felt like, We were all in it together and kind of helping each yeah, other out. And it's not like that here in Vienna. Huh? I noticed when I moved here, it was a little different. Like everybody has their own kind of cliques, you know, their own groups, and they stay with those groups. And if you want to get into the groups, you kind of have to, you have to kind of play it really safe in the beginning, you know, kind of like you don't know who to really trust, who's cool with that guy. If I'm hanging out with this guy, is this guy going yeah, to cross my weird. shit? Or, so it, it was kind of like that. But then after a while, I don't know, after painting, I mean, because I'd started painting here and, I moved in 2014, but I didn't really start painting until um, 2016, I think, and, and that's when I started to do stuff. And then um, after a while, I just didn't care. I just, I mean, when I first started, I didn't care. I just went and painted, you know. So I didn't go with anyone. I didn't ask permission, and then just kind of came. But for you, how does how do you feel like the, the art scene is here in Vienna? Like now compared to, I don't know, when you first started doing street art? Okay, so if you talk about the art scene in Vienna, it's kind of, I don't want to say inevitable again. Is there another word for inevitable? I don't think inevitable is a word. 
Inevitable. Or inevitable. Inevitable. Okay. Is there another word for inevitable? Inevitable. Um, in Unvermeidlich. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh. It's uh, inevitable basically means that it's it's bound to happen. So yeah, it's exactly. Like That's what I mean, but I want another word. Another word. Hmm. You need a thesaurus, that shit. Inevitable. Invitable. What did I say? <laughs> inevitable. Inevitable. <laughs> inevitable. Um, it's another word for inevitable. Um, it's like fate. Fate is inevitable. It's like... Uh, uh, wait, wait. <laughs> so... <laughs> Unavoidable. Okay. Okay, yeah. Inescapable. Oh, that's even better. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, okay. The art scene, inevitable. Yeah, if you want to talk about the... Uh, Viennese or Austrian art scene, it's it's unavoidable. What? <laughs> it's unavoidable. <laughs> exactly. It's it's inescapable to talk about universities because in Austria, still, although a lot of people say it's not, still is super conservative, and if you want to get really safe into the art world and live from it it's kind of necessary to to study or at least it makes a lot of things easier and oh really for okay. that you only have two options you have the academy and you have the angewandte um so the whole art scene is already kind of dominated by that in some ways because most of these people that study there also end up being the ones that are shown in galleries okay it gets to that to the point where you have uh, certain classes led by certain professors, mm -hmm. for example, the the, Richt, the famous bespoken Richter class at Academy, okay. um, where you have Daniel Richter, a contemporary famous artist, leading a class, not really being there most of the year and not really teaching them anything, mm -hmm. but they have the name. And if they have the name, certain people in the art scene and curators and all of that stuff are pretty sure that they can settle that person and that it's a good investment because if he's studying with Daniel, then he has to be good. Okay. Which in itself is kind of fucked up because what is good in art? Like, there's no good and bad in art, yeah, really. Of so it's already weird to rank it. And well, you can. Even, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that's already that already is a big problem because I also spent one year in the painting class and at that time I was really interested in, in the technique and and the whole history in the painting process of it itself because i deeply believe that art always should be a little bit connected to a craft also because mm -hmm. it just makes it more interesting and if you know how to do something you can express your ideas much better and when i came into the painting class i realized that nobody there really paints the way that i would like to paint and that i would like to see it nobody really there knows or is interested or gives a shit about painting techniques from the Renaissance and from the Italian masters and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I still stayed there for one year and I really didn't have a connection with my professor. And then I eventually realized that for me, it's totally okay that I study graphic design is my main thing and not painting because I feel like studying painting is, is so abstract for me. If you, if you have this, the same feedback from one person seven years, you be kind of become a clone from them, or at least you, 
you're always confronted to the same um, opinion, like, yeah, yeah. which is not very enriching, but I mean, it can make sense at some points also. But in general, I feel it's more interesting if you really start out of your urge mm -hmm. and you just like for techniques, you can just look onto YouTube and there are yeah. a million ways of get really um, knowledge in that stuff. Of course, yeah. Um, I also always say the biggest talent that you can have is that you have a certain um, overexpressed interest in some stuff. Yeah, you have then the you, ambition. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and once you manage to do that and um, learn the craft of painting and what you want to show, it's more interesting t for me to see what somebody comes up with that really thinks about his own stuff and is not really influenced by a person who already does that stuff mm -hmm. versus to a person that's always being told how the other person sees it. Yeah, but. In the end, of course, it's it makes sense to study art because it just gives you a room to really focus on that for a long period of time, mm -hmm. and you're surrounded by people who do the same thing, and that leads to you doing it more and stuff. So you um, took you took a did you take art classes in this like a lot um, a lot more like did you take a years of it or did you take like just this one you were talking about before this painting class? Um, or you studied so it. So the studies. No, I studied for seven years and one year, so two semesters, I made exchange in a painting class. Oh, okay. You can jump in in the university from thing to thing. All right. So, yeah, you have the university thing that's very, um, very big and can open a lot of doors. Mm -hmm. And I know it from people who are not, who have not been studying and at these universities that they have the chances for them to really make it whatever that means it's pretty slim it's pretty slower already yeah. uh lower already just because of that and that's in itself is fucking fucked up and and that, how does that go with for example i think art? frau isa um i think i read an interview of her once where she said that she applied numerous or that she applied for the university and they didn't take her and then she, she mentioned or i don't know if i get that wrong but i think she mentioned that when you're talking with certain curators, curators, they don't really give a shit about you when they know that you haven't been studying at one of those two universities because that apparently gives them the, the clout, <clears throat> like the, the reputation. Yeah, the kind reputation. Of. I didn't know about that, especially in Vienna. I guess I'm pretty, um, I'm really outside as far as that goes. I, I tried, I almost went to art school. I did one semester and I got kicked out like <laughs> in, and this was in Houston. I went to the Art Institute of Houston, and my parents paid for me to go to this art college. And I knew that's, I wanted to do art, you know, um, but then I got kicked out, and I ended up going back home and just started working for a living, you know, and, and art was always in the back. And so I don't come from this, you know, art uh, culture or world, I guess. Um, I think it's also more self-taught. Different in the U.S.? No, probably not. I think in the U.S. No, I think it's the, the same. same huh? yeah. If you have the New name... York. Because I always found it really difficult to get exhibitions and stuff, and um, that's basically why I started the Art Slam, because I realized that I wasn't the only one out there that wasn't studying art, but who was doing art, you know, and it kind of gave us a platform. That's why I really appreciate graffiti or street painting, mm. because for that you don't need anything. You can just do it, do what you want. Yeah. That's also the spirit of graffiti for me. Of course. You're living in an environment 
that's dominated by gray walls mm -hmm. or whatever. So one approach can very well be going and writing your name everywhere and that everybody can do. And that maybe also leads towards more interest in that kind of stuff. And then but it seems it's fairly new. Um, I mean, since the 80s and when it started with the graffiti and and now we're a lot of street artists are getting big names and nobody asked what school they went to. You know, they just, they, if they can paint this big wall and they, people really like their stuff, then they're going to get these jobs. And it's kind of a new, it's a new field. I think it's, um, it's something I think we're all kind of navigating in a different way, but still learning from each other how to, how to do it because this is something you don't learn in school. You don't learn how, really how to get jobs and like how to operate a, a lift and how to do this and all that. You, this is stuff you have to be out there and learn. And, mm. and um, it seems very new. I mean, and what do you think about this culture that's happening in, in Vienna? Because it seems like within the last five years, especially, there's been so much more walls and I mean. Yeah, okay. So. I mean, like commissioned walls and also. You know, it's really difficult because it's very, the whole scene I also experienced that in LA. Most of the time, artists and painters who paint walls, those are not really the people who are interested in doing bureaucratic stuff and organizing shit. So eventually, there are always middlemen coming in mm -hmm. who organize walls and do that kind of stuff. And that always kind of relates to a lot of uh, dodgy people doing that stuff. And mm -hmm. I know that there is in LA this one guy who has organized most of the big wars from Aris and Etam crew and all of that people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he's a real, uh, a real, how do you say, um, he's an evil, okay. evil, a little evil man. <laughs> okay. Because what happens is that he um, talks with the owners of the buildings and sells them the concept of painting their wall. And for that, obviously, he wants money and he probably gets lots of money, but he only gives a really small yeah, part yeah. to the artist. And mm -hmm. that's the same in Vienna also. You have a lot of middlemen who are not doing anything, but yeah. just or putting two people into um, in touch. And then they take an amount of money where you don't even know where it is because it's, there's nothing transparent. So you exactly. don't know who gets what. And And another big problem or something that I see it uh, see very um often uh, very often but with a critical eye okay is that for example now in vienna a lot of walls are being painted and most of these walls are curated by people who are not art painters themselves yeah, and yeah. who don't really know anything or of course they know things but mm -hmm. they don't really I don't know, maybe they just don't have a good taste and I have a different taste, but I yeah. really I really dislike a lot of stuff being painted now. Mm -hmm. Not only in Vienna, but in general all over the world because this festival culture that has, that has developed around this um, movement yeah. um, leads to a lot of people painting walls that shouldn't paint these walls. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you because mean. Because in the end, it's a very delicate way and I've, I've, I always find it surprising that people are so self confident that they put something out there into mm -hmm. the public that mm -hmm. everybody has to see every day mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and like you you cannot expect that when you paint for one or two years that you understand what you're doing there yeah. so why yeah. would you do it on a big scale in the yeah. center of a city because in the end then it will just be no knowledge on the wall yeah i know what you mean 
and, yeah, and I, but it's it's the it's the festivals that that allow this in a way, you know, they kind of some festivals. I don't know. I, I don't. Let's speak in all festivals, but I think they they have an agenda, you know, and their agenda is this. Money. Ne- this is the topic. This is how we're going to sell this. What do we need to sell this? Okay, I need this type of art. I need that type of art, and then we're going to put this on this wall, that wall, and it's um, as artists, I think we just want to paint and we want to be treated fairly like with the money and you know with our time and and our ideas and this is what's the most important thing you know for us um but it's hard to block the other the evil shit out of it when it's when you're not in control of it you know but on the other hand like you were saying especially in a city like vienna where you need to notice certain people to do certain things exactly and then you have one person who knows all, who knows all of it who yeah. knows all the shit exactly and it's like you're saying it's so hard to to organize that stuff yourself if you don't have those connections you know and yeah, yeah it's, i mean i found and that's my, that's yeah. why it's great that you're doing the stuff outside of you exactly i found great. my solution for that <laughs> and i can just only advise everybody else who is fed up with that go to the countryside and paint there they because need, people they need appreciate stuff, yeah. my it's much more mm-hmm. and also it looks sick in the surroundings <laughs> with all these trees and yeah exactly i love it i love it i'd love to growing stuff <laughs> do that yeah that's really good advice but yeah in general i'm not very happy with the uh, place of the public painting position in vienna or the the position that public painting has in vienna at at the moment yeah, yeah I think because there for example a friend of mine paul perk up he painted um and talking about the magenta advertising wall? job the magenta wall yeah he painted the magenta wall and he was painting it for a few days and he he basically did his own thing just in magenta colors and everybody really liked it and people were like yeah yeah cool this is cool stuff Keep it going, man. Dope, yo. (laughs) (laughs) And then at the end, he had to put the fucking Magenta logo inside, which was not a decision by him, Mm. but by the advertising people, agent, and also by the people standing between him and the client, because that's the... They also get the middleman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So apart from the fact that it's completely stupid for me to make advertising like that because people are not fucking retarded everybody knows that it's magenta if it has these colors and yeah. it would be enough to put a small logo in the in the end yeah. but eventually what happened is that he put this um magenta logo in and all the people in the surroundings started giving him shit for doing yeah. painting that shit and the, what the fuck why why is this happening here I we saw don't some want this fucking comments, yeah. yeah you see it on social media and everything and then you you end up like the artist ends up being the asshole for mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. but in reality he's just the thing doing all the shitty things that the middleman and the company tell him yeah and why is he doing that because he gets money for that exactly. he probably doesn't really get even the bigger part of it no, yeah. he doesn't even know but he gets fairly paid some other people are profiting even more from it mm-hmm. and then you have people complaining about that and then on the other hand why is he doing this commercial job that's because he has been doing lots of exhibitions and we all have and we are all selling nothing because mm-hmm. urban art is not something that you invest in in, in Vienna and not yeah. in Europe unless mm-hmm. it's Roar or Banksy or anything. Yeah. And that leads to people doing advertising things. So if you want to stop people doing advertising things, then just buy art and it's, <laughs> yeah, it's very and easy. Problem and I, solved. I, I mean, I, I think maybe you also right. have to do, to do a different approach now 
because I myself never really bought a lot of stuff, but I recently started just mm. like every job that I do that I get an amount of money, I will invest certain percentage into buying paintings from friends of mine for example from jakob from this young yeah, guy who yeah. does really cool stuff jakob brother. Jakob der brother. yeah and der i think brother. if you do that then it it just eventually becomes to this thing that everybody buys a little bit from everybody yeah, exactly. so there is not even this big stress about money anymore because in the end like why does why 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 is everything about money <laughs> do you do any digital art um i do yeah illustrations Digital so illustrations. Digital illustrations, which eventually always end up just being one pen with one line thickness. <laughs> <laughs> I started doing a lot more digital work, uh, more than sketching on paper. I totally transitioned to the to the iPad since like a year now, and for me, it's uh, it's been it's been a real game changer because now I can actually just take my drawings from there and I could put on a shirt or whatever. Yeah. So I might not be selling. A painting but i'll sell a few shirts or i'll sell this obviously it's, it's not enough you know but it's something it's mm. it's better than just trying to sell one painting for i don't know 300 600 a thousand dollars and you yeah, sell like yeah, yeah. i mean it doesn't make sense to do collaborations and this is also again something that i have the feeling when i when i see people from this let's call it main art market mm -hmm. look at at this urban art um, people who are doing merchandise and collaborations and stuff, they don't really like that. Yeah. But eventually, what was Andy Warhol doing? Like, Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's all been there and people have um, celebrated it at some point and hated mm -hmm. it at another point. So why not just open the space up for everybody? And yeah. I don't know. I, I guess but I mean, probably in general, Austria is not really the best place to to be successful in art. You think so? I mean... I mean, even you, you have this, these, these characters like Chris Rosa and yeah. other people, and they eventually also all went to Miami, uh, to <laughs> LA. Like Nitros yeah. also. There's yeah. one reason why he's there. Like for, I to me, it's completely um, not understandable why you would choose to live in LA unless you're about you're after money. Yeah, that's really the only reason to be there. Yeah. When were you in LA? Because you spent some time there with with Nitros, right? Yeah, I was there in 2018, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was there for three months and helped him paint for an exhibition that he had. And that was because I wanted to um, to get deeper into spray paint. Mm -hmm. I originally started painting with acrylics and then went on to oils and never really painted with spray paint. So. My first walls that I painted, they were also just with bucket paint. Mm -hmm. But I always had this this desire to to kind of learn spray painting. And in the end, it's just, as with everything, a matter of practice. And I knew that awesome. if I would go there, I would be surrounded by it all the time. So there was no way around it. And then mm -hmm. I, yeah, it led to, to me painting a lot there also mm -hmm. when we had time. Mm -hmm. And it's also it was also interesting to see because I... Before that, I've been following a lot of people on Instagram that are based in LA. Mm -hmm. And then I got to meet some of them and also saw some of their paintings in real life. And also realized that, yeah, no matter how big they are, most of them are the same. Yeah. And I also realized how fucked up the American social system is. <laughs> yeah. Like I was complete. I was really, um, also afterwards, really 
impressed by by the things that I saw, mm. especially coming from Europe or from Vienna, from the sixth district where I walk everywhere everywhere by foot. Yeah. Where I have beautiful trees, everything's clean. Yeah. Maybe you have in in outer Gumpendorfer Straße one or two junkies hanging mm -hmm. around or yeah. some homeless people. But other than that, it's really cool and beautiful to walk around. But mm -hmm. then I like Nigel's had his studio in Mid City. Mm -hmm. So this is between Koreatown and South Central. South Central is far away, but it's a very mixed um, society there with a lot of more people tending towards the poor mm -hmm. people um you have like do, after after that after the three months there i did an exhibition on my time there where i referenced photos that i took in the streets because i was walking around a lot which is very un unlike uh very not usual for that very LA not usual LA. for la yeah because i didn't have a car and i also like to walk so mm -hmm. i walked like two hours the Washington Boulevard <laughs> from one from Venice to Mid City, yeah, and what you see there is a lot of trash, mm -hmm. and then you see a lot of human trash, mm -hmm. like people who yeah. fell out of the system, yeah. drug addicts, fucked up, mm -hmm. like fucked up things that I, I really didn't think that I would see there, mm -hmm. and then you go around the corner and you see a Lamborghini parked there, <laughs> or yeah, some Tesla next, shit. Yeah, yeah. So this this contrast, as I said in in the beginning, I really like contrasts. I like mm -hmm. painting big outside and small inside. Mm -hmm. um, I also was fascinated by that because then I found, like, I did some research, and eventually LA is home to two hundred fifty thousand millionaires mm -hmm. and to seventy five to eighty thousand homeless people. So you have that relation, and then. Yeah. All over the like most of the areas that you go in LA, you mostly see these these eighty thousand, this small percentage, mm -hmm. but not these two hundred fifty thousand millionaires. You just see them, their cars maybe or their yeah. shops, yeah. but they are hidden away in in a small area of this mm -hmm. huge metropolis. Mm -hmm. And yeah, as I said before, I have no idea why people would live there. It's mm. it's horrible. Mm. I mean, it, the nature is kind of beautiful, but then yeah. also it's f super fucked up because yeah. you have all these. <laughs> these forest fires all the time and yeah true the so trees dry. are exploding yeah over same as here like also the water <laughs> yeah <laughs> exploding exploding and burning <laughs> yeah i i've i've been to la once but I, I used to always go to san diego and i always really enjoyed yeah i've heard the that's much nicer yeah. i would go for the comic con every year because i'm a big comic yeah comic guy and it was really fun every every july um we had the big san diego comic con and it was just Great weather, and you had all the all the geeks together and nerding out on on the new movies and stuff. So, but that's the only like real um, experience I have. I think I was in LA once and kind of did the you know went to Amoeba Music and kind of checked out you know Melrose and I saw some I saw a big piece a big street art piece by uh, the Jeremy Fish I think he did these big bunnies it was sculpture and uh, yeah it was really interesting. But it was also very interesting to me because the perception of this graffiti culture is super different from California or the States in general to Europe mm -hmm. or Vienna especially because it seems to be much bigger there, much more accepted, much more rooted really in society. Mm -hmm. And I mean, also for me, the a really big difference was 
especially with the homeless people. Like in, when, when I walk through, even like in Europe, in Marseille or some areas that are a little bit sketchy, it's still something different to do that in in LA or in the States because you know that everybody maybe has a gun. So that's yeah. like the completely different thing. And we also were painting some illegal stuff there. So a friend of of, of us uh, worked as an assistant for Shepard. Mm-hmm. And Shepard had this studio in what's called Frogtown. It's, it doesn't really matter. It's next to the LA River. Mm-hmm. And there was an abandoned building next to it. So we painted it that one night. And then um, these two kids came along and they were doing like these click clack sounds and things. And then Rob, the guy who brought us there, told us that these are like um, gang members because apparently in LA you still have a lot of gang stuff going on. Okay. And this gang stuff is always kind of related also to graffiti because there's this gang graffiti history. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So now when, when we were there, we immediately were respected by them because they saw that what we are doing is kind of thought through and that there has been put some time into it. Mm-hmm. So we were immediately kind of in Accepted. a friendly... Um, environment oh crazy which is weird because this kind of people and this part of society yeah is something that nobody who is not in that really mm-hmm. gets into yeah of course you have to grow you grow into it you grow yeah. up in it interesting whereas in vienna people might just say this is shit yeah Go this home. is shit <laughs> stop spraying this wall yeah scheiß kinder <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i think i as far as Vienna goes, it's really cool to have all these legal walls, and you, know, you could always just go paint it, and you know, as long as you do it correctly and you know, res- do it with respect, you can do some. You could do paintings like every day, and kind of do, kind of cover the whole city in a way. Mm-hmm. Like you can cover a large area of of Vienna yeah. with your work, you know. Yeah, yeah. that's cool, but yeah, it's but, cool. Yeah. You don't make money from it, but it's <laughs> yeah, you don't make money from it, and I also, I I could really understand. If people are pissed off by it because it's everywhere, yeah, I don't. Th- I think. I mean, it's something different when it's graffiti, but if it's like the street art thing, and people really try to depict something particular, and then it looks shit, it's different mm. than. So, what do you think about like for the how the artists here can actually make it better for <laughs> for each other? How, what can we do to make it like work? Hmm. I would have a hard thing if that's really what I want to do and if that's the thing that I should do and if I come to the decision that it is, then I would do it constantly constantly, and I would try to reflect a lot about what I do and why I do it and how I do it and try to have a healthy self-criticism. Mm-hmm. Um, mm, I also think it's very important to not be too satisfied but also not to be too devastated yeah um but what do you think about the like commercial art in in general like since all think, of us are trying yeah. to kind of I make think, ends meet with this kind of work yeah. a few times i think if i if you have the feeling that you know what a person wants and that you think that you can translate that into whatever and how you do it then you should really stand behind your ideas and try to um, be more strict when doing commercial work. Like, do what you want to do and not what the the client tells you to do. And mm. 
if he doesn't want you to do it, try to explain to him why it makes why it makes sense to do it. Um, and I think also, I think it's on how you sell it. I think yeah, you have to sell it yeah. to them. I mean, not even sell it. I think if you if you can really reason, then it's just like in the end, it's all about understanding. People have to understand why and what's happening. And once you do, I think people are surprisingly open because I mean, I see it in my in the in the way that I handle this commercial stuff. Um, if I do an offer, it's written in there that the the whole process underlies the creative process. So I need my freedom and that it, things can change because I feel like they need to change in that way. Mm -hmm. And that's all protected in that statement. And I think that's very important because in the end, nobody knows us as well as we do. And mm -hmm. so nobody really knows what's the best way to translate a topic or something in your way yeah um and i think also especially if it's connected to advertising people can really try more stuff and experiment more because i think if you of course you can always take the safe road and do what everybody else is doing mm -hmm. because that works doesn't work good but it works <laughs> but that also like leads towards people always seeing that and if they always see that how should they some like at one point why would they change their mind yeah so to do that you have to confront them with stuff that's unusual and i think if you do it in the right way then it can also be exactly what every advertising um every advertising things um goal is to create a lot of attention yeah true. that will this is much more likely to happen if you step out the line and do something um unusual yeah what artists like not just in vienna but worldwide like are there any artists that are now like your favorites or somebody that's like really yeah i have a lot and the problem is that i a lot of times don't remember remember the names because i know most of them only from instagram yeah which is nice on the one hand because it's super global and i know people from the other side of the world but mm -hmm. it's also shit because you don't really know the person you only know their what they're doing yeah but if i go on instagram and check out my the, the people that are in my feed the most mm -hmm. the first person here is stefan krische and stefan krische is a super good friend of mine mm -hmm. um, i used to live together with him and he kind of got um recently he assists a lot for Axel Void and Axel Void is actually somebody that I really appreciate and that I think has a big big value in this whole scene because he has a completely different um not very commercial approach and he was also the first person that I really met who was doing this super big painting stuff mm. because in my hometown in Graz there was this street at festival called Living Streets and it was curated by Improper Wars, but, uh, not Improper Wars, Inoperable Gallery Inoperable, back in the day yes. when Nick was still here. Mm -hmm. And he always was in good connection with all these um, Latin American or Spanish painters like Axel Void and Jazz, Franco mm -hmm. Fasoldi and Eva and all of those people. So I really like this kind of scene, especially what Axel is doing now with um, his Void projects. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think two last or two years ago he did this residency in an abandoned factory in Spain mm -hmm. and 
it's cool because he um all the people who are working or painting in in this void project context they either have a super nice classical painterly approach or they are doing something i can't even really explain it very avant-garde okay <laughs> <laughs> i think you just did explain it. okay who else is here who else man Who's okay, on this the... is these are just friends just yeah, friends <laughs> so off the top of your head i mean like your top three that you're like okay my my you just get an instant okay. boner when you see the, the, work. the first one that pops into mind is marat danilinian okay marat morik is morik i think morik is his graffiti name you don't okay. know him no, I don't think oh so. shit! Okay, yeah, he's from the north, from the, the Siberian, great north. from I think from the Siberian part of Russia. Oh, okay. And he's uh, he paints. Um, I would say it's abstract figurativism. Figurativism. Um, super good, very powerful colors, very abstract, very mm. um figurative. Okay. Yeah, I really like him. Right. Then who I always think about is Neo Rauch. He's do you know Neo Rauch? Neo Rauch. So. He's not from the painting outdoor thing, but okay. scene. He's from. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he, he's uh, he's a a traditional painting you might painter you might say. He's mm -hmm. very well known in association with the Leipziger Schule. You okay. know Leipzig, yeah, it's yeah. a German town, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. they have a very famous um, art university there. He studied there, and during the early 2000s, a sort of scene evolved there called Die Neue Leipziger Schule. Mm -hmm. And they were all also um, kind of painting figurative abstraction. I don't know why I always say that, but that's what I like, figurative mm -hmm. stuff and abstraction. And he's also one of, one of those. He's... He's very big in this art market thing also. Okay. Um, who else? Last one, one more. <laughs> Ruin. Ah, there you <laughs> go. <laughs> no, I, I think he's just, in one sense, very classy and in one other hand, very innovative. Yeah, yeah. And he got the skills. To pay the bills. He's, and also, like that's really... Um, a major thing he's a nice person mm -hmm. like that uh, apart from his art mm -hmm. if you don't put that into consideration he's just a very nice person yeah and with a lot of graffiti people especially like successful and famous one mm -hmm. you have a lot of super narcissistic and yeah. egomanic people yeah and th that really it sucks. Yeah, that sucks, and that's also that's really one a reason for me to not associate with people if they are super all about themselves and not very social. Yeah, no, I, I think, think like it makes it makes a big difference. Respect, as an artist, and, yeah, like uh, how you treat people. It's you can't expect to be treated better than how you treat people. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a good closing sentence, actually. <laughs> Be nice to each other. Be nice to each other and stop being dickheads. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and write what you want on the wall, man. Right, whatever you want. As long as it's not over our paintings. And fine. girl, <laughs> not only man, also woman. Of course.
more women, please, women, come to this. I f I feel like uh, uh, um, what the street art scene lacking a lot of time is a more poetic approach, mm -hmm. and I feel like women that might be a stereotype again, but stereotypes also have their reasons. I think women are much more poetic than men, and I think you can also see it in um in yeah in the painting i think so too i think it's uh all equality apart i know what you mean i think it, it the the inequality like can maybe also be something nice sometimes <laughs> i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i'll let you get deeper into that but like <laughs> like it's unequal that women are more poetic than men but that's also nice that's also nice <laughs> i think it's uh, you can don't shoot the messenger. Don't bang it on the table, because then I have to edit okay. all that shit out. For all our <laughs> listeners, Rob is very paranoid about noises, like external like the, noises. I don't like the banging noises. He wants the super clear sound, and I will manifest it right <laughs> here, right now. You have to push my voice. Pitch my voice down a few, significantly few to the down. Okay. And at this point, You're now, 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 even now, further, <laughs> further. <laughs> No. Back to normal again. Okay. You make me work. <laughs> and you have to get to this part of the podcast to hear if we've actually did it or not. Yeah. <laughs> Easy cheesy peasy. Nice. So is there anything else you want to talk about? A lot, but I'm also really tired. Alright. So um do you want to tell everybody how they can find your shit and how they can see your your abstractive fig figurative paintings? Mm, yeah. <laughs> Tell us. Um, yeah, you can go to um, davidleitner.at mm -hmm. and you can go to Instagram. I think I don't have to um, tell at, you what to look at for. David I Leitner. think you can. Yeah, you can. <laughs> I believe that people can think. Yeah. <laughs> is David Leitner your real name? David Leitner is my real name, and David Leitner will always be my real name. <laughs> okay. Good. <laughs> No, no Kunstlername. I think you might. No, I don't know. I, I thought about it a lot, and I also, at some points, I was especially in the graffiti scene. I was kind of annoyed with not finding something that feels right to me. Mm -hmm. But recently, um, I found my way around it, and I have some some very funny pseudonyms. Okay. That nobody will ever know who was it, and nobody would expect me to be it. Okay. And also. I don't know, like if I paint graffiti also, I also like to like like to write Leitner. Mm -hmm. Who gives a shit? I don't give a shit. I, as as far as I know, they really have to <laughs> tape they have you. To go tape a lot you of they really have to tape you or or get you right on spot. Yeah, I think for it to be a problem. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I mean, and even if even if like I I think the the I think the way they reason, if you do graffiti, mm -hmm. it's vandalism. Mm -hmm. But my approach is not vandalism. I try yeah. to beautify stuff. So I will tell those, I will tell that to those people once it comes down to it. The police, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean the police will probably give me a fine, but that's okay. I will pay it fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'll pay your fine. But if if it ends up being at court or something, I think I can very well explain to to the. To the, the judge, to the person in power, that you're just that, making everything that beautiful. I'm not trying to hurt anybody or mm -hmm. destroy anything or make people angry. 
I think it, like in general, not everything that's painted illegal is immediately graffiti and therefore is immediately ugly and disturbing and vandalism. I think there's a there's also um, the possibility of painting something really nice that people like and that people also understand that it is different and yeah. that it's not intended to to be uh, egoistic, harmful act f against society. Yeah, but the problem is, is where you paint it and what building. Yeah, you but I'm. On. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, mean if they, it could be as beautiful it could, as you want, but if it's somebody else's property. I feel like property. late. Uh, I think yesterday I talked to a friend about um, Berlin and how the Berlin um, urban graffiti visuality is different from from the Vienna one because in he said. In Berlin, it's super cool. You have like a ton of graffiti all over, stacked over each other, and whole walls covered in it. And it's true that way it, it becomes this super own organic, crazy mm -hmm. painting. But if you have like a wall and there's one or two, and then maybe both are super whack and the colors yeah. are shit. Yeah, of course that's shit. But if you have people who have been studying art and painting and visual stuff for years and they do that um you would be surprised what you find yeah you get a little gift especially like again advertising why are you so shitty <laughs> <laughs> it's the only thing that's next to advertising in in the public yeah, visually Oh, so it me, can't uh, get shittier than that. So why are people not stopping of complaining of tax and focus yeah. on this fucking absolute vodka <laughs> <laughs> or whatever? Any, or any other brand that might be taking up the public space to our dismay. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> not just absolute vodka, but any, any other uh, yeah, brand that it. could be taken up uh, you know, by yeah. actually good good stuff yeah i think i i hope there will be more mural advertising i think this is really the key to the future <laughs> but it's like you were saying earlier a little bit about uh about being more transparent with the with the middleman and and getting the right pay for what you paint and stuff like that yeah i think everybody who does things like us and works in a commercial way with clients and earns money through painting and through a middleman Everybody should demand that the middleman fucking tells you how much money there is on the table and how much he takes and how much you get. Mm -hmm. And if he doesn't do it, go and ask the client because eventually if you paint there on site, you will meet the client and you just ask him. Yeah. And then you tell the middleman to fuck off. Yeah. Fuck right <laughs> off. <laughs> I wouldn't, and don't be afraid about it because, I mean, they, they came to you because they, they want your, your art, you know, and you've already invested the time to try to find somebody who's going to paint the wall. I mean... The least you could do is try to get the fair amount of money for what you're doing. Yeah, of course, I yeah. mean, I don't even know how how people can live with themselves and do stuff like that because it's just so retarded. Yeah, but you know, like if it, there's always something wrong if you don't do anything and you get a lot of money. Yeah, this is not the right way, man. It's true. Turn around, otherwise you will rot in hell. <laughs> <laughs> Good. And on that positive note. So we ended up. Thanks again for coming, man, and and talking and and hanging out. In no soon, problemo. Soon studio and yeah, it was nice talking to you, man. I really hope cool. we we will once do it somewhere warmer. 
<laughs> California, maybe. Yeah, LA. we should do. We should go to San Diego. Let's just go. Let's go. Let's go move okay, to California, go man. To go make some real money. <laughs> I think that's the plan. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool, man. Cool. Bye. Ciao, man. Bye. <laughs> bye, bye. <laughs> bye, everyone out there. Bye, bye. Bye, bye, bye. Bye. <laughs>